grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. This morning, I want to think deeply about this mystery of the Trinity. I want to plumb the depths of the divine majesty, the three-in-oneness of God. How can it be that God is at once three persons and yet one Godhead, neither dividing the substance nor confusing the persons? I've got some confused persons, am I right? That's a pastor joke. I want to go deep into this mystery, and to do that, naturally, I want to talk about square dancing. Or more specifically, circle dancing. <clears throat> now, I'm big into rites of initiation, as you now know. And one of the first rites of initiation that I discovered coming to this community, to Arcadia, and getting involved with Camp Arcadia was the square dance. All right, show of hands, how many of you have participated in the square dance at Camp Arcadia? Yes, many of you, some of you grudgingly, others of you joyfully have. <laughs> But I have in mind specifically one part of the square dance, which is not square at all, but it is a circle dance. And I have on good authority that it is called the bingo waltz. Uh, if that's not the actual name, you can take it up with the good authority chip. And uh, in this circle dance, I want you to, to picture it, or to, uh, if, you, if you've participated before, you can recollect it. But otherwise, just imagine a great big circle of people. Everyone's out there, everyone's holding hands, and the music starts. People start to move around in a circle. And then the call comes out and people start exchanging partners, right? There's this interchange of persons going back and forth, back and forth. Keep moving around, moving in circle at the same time. And it's awkward at first, right? People are kind of fumbling their steps and they're not sure, am I supposed to change with this person or with this person? But the, eventually there's this kind of interweaving between one another. It's a beautiful thing when it finally starts to click. There's this rhythm, this reciprocal giving and receiving back and forth, all the while circular as well. And then finally, you, it gets to a point when people are really in the rhythm, they're really together, that you can still distinguish the persons. Everyone maintains their own personal integrity and identity, and yet it's almost as though everyone is working together as one. There is the unity of substance without the dividing of the persons. It's wonderful. You never thought so theologically about a circle dance, right? The bingo waltz. But it's even more beautiful than that, see? Because this circle dance is not a performance piece. It's not something that you would see if you went up the road to our friends at the Interlochen Arts Academy. You're not beholding Swan Lake, as nice as our dancing might be over here at Camp Arcadia. No, this is something, this is the, it's meant for participation, to take part in. If you're standing on the sidelines, you're going to be summoned to come in because there is always room for more, see. I want you to keep in mind this picture of this circular dance, partners working together, this interchange and exchange of persons, this dynamic interweaving and interactivity, this rhythm of giving and receiving this beautiful reciprocity. Because in seeing that, we get a picture of the life of the Holy Trinity. Now, as I said, I want us to delve deeply, to think more deeply about what it means for God to be Trinity. And Christians throughout the ages have tried to do this. Some of them have lost their minds trying to do this. 
One of the ways to keep your sanity better and think about the Trinity has been to use different analogies, metaphors. And you could think of many of these, right? You learn them in confirmation class, you hear them from the pulpit. For instance, the Trinity is like an apple. And the apple has, um, actually, I'm forgetting what even the analogy is. Like, there's the skin, I guess, and the flesh, and the seed. Three things, one apple. Trinity. Or there's the three-leaf clover, right? Three leaves, one clover, just like God. Okay? And then you hear an analogy like that, you're like, really? Okay, I guess, yeah, that's a trinity, three and one. We use these kind of metaphors and analogies to try to wrap our minds around what it means for God to be three in one. And I'm not going to say that they're useless, that there isn't anything to them, but too often they give short shrift to this dynamic interactivity of who God is. See, an apple is a static thing, and it's impersonal. I mean, there are some apples that I have loved. I love me a good honey crisp apple, but still, at the end of the day, it's a static thing. It's an impersonal thing. So also a three-leaf clover and so many other of those analogies and metaphors that we use to try to understand who God is. But to delve deeply, to peer into the life of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, is to see that what we have there is a dynamic unity. That here, with all three persons of the Trinity, are working together as one. And that's why what I really appreciate is a metaphor that was suggested with, already within the early church that they called perichoresis. Let me hear you say perichoresis. Perichoresis. So perichoresis is a Greek word, and you might hear in there a more familiar word, choresis, from which we get choreography. Perichoresis, peri means around or circular. And so the perichoresis was a circular dance, like a folk dance, or dare I say, like the bingo waltz. People have been doing this for centuries, millennia, apparently. And the early church fathers pointed to this idea of perichoresis as a better way to understand the life of the Trinity. How it is that Father, Son, and Holy Spirit dwell within this perfect communion of persons, not just sitting statically on the couch, but instead interweaving, going back and forth, living into this reciprocity of giving and receiving back and forth. We hear this, if we have eyes or ears to, to hear it, in that prayer that we heard from Jesus in today's gospel, just to highlight some of the words of the Lord. Jesus is praying to the Father. He says, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, I in them and you in me. And while he doesn't evoke the Holy Spirit explicitly, elsewhere in the same passage, he talks about the helper who is also coming alongside. So you have all three persons of the Trinity in this kind of interweaving and exchange. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, I and them, you and me, we together. God speaking in this first person plural even. All of them dwelling together the way that we dwell together in that circle dance. It's a perichoresis. But it also clarifies that confession of Athanasius, neither dividing the substance nor confounding or confusing the persons. Because that too, that's what we have here when we understand God as the, the perichoresis of God working together, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit with this dynamic interchange, and yet the Father is not the Son, the Son is not the Spirit, the Spirit is not Jesus. All three persons of the Trinity retain their integrity and their identity, 
even as there is this fundamental essential unity, all of them working together as one. All right, take a deep breath. We're like, okay, Pastor, we are going deep here this morning. It's like 9 o'clock, and we're talking about persons and substances. And I, yeah. For you visual learners, take a look at the front of your worship folder. We have this uh, symbol, this ancient symbol of the Trinity, which now you can also see in flower form out in front of our church. Thank you, Marie Sheppelman and her helpers. And I love this particular symbol. I mean, there's a lot of different symbols that have been used for the Trinity. But as I look at it, maybe just because this is where my mind is at, it almost looks like a symbol of that circle dance, of that perichoresis, right? You see, it's almost like the arms are reaching out to one another. Now over here, now over there, there's this interweaving, this exchange, back and forth, up, down, and around, all good things. All good things, all coming together, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, sharing with one another, giving to each other, living this life of God. Look, when we talk about Trinity, it can give us a headache if we're just trying to, to understand or to explain, to dissect God as though he were a frog in your biology class. God is not a frog in your biology class. He's not even an apple or a three-leaf clover. Instead, we have this dynamic union of persons, the life of God choreographed, or should I say peri-choreographed together. Now, we could stop there, and I think we would have a deeper understanding of what it means for the life of the Holy Trinity. But we shouldn't stop there, because God himself, the triune God himself, doesn't want us to stop there. Indeed, he has a deeper aim for you and for me. If we stop there, we neglect the very words of Jesus himself. Once again, in the gospel, he speaks of, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, but also this, that they also may be in us. Speaking of his disciples, speaking of you and me, I and them and you and me, that they may become perfectly one just as we are one. In other words, we see that here we have this, this dynamic unity of God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, but it goes further than that because not only do we bow the knee in adoration before this God, but then we take his hand and we too participate in the dance, see? God wants you and me to be caught up into this, to be assumed into the life of God that we are graciously made dance partners of the Trinity. And when I think about this gracious, glorious dance, I can't help but think of the American movie classic, Little Miss Sunshine. And if you haven't seen this movie, I wholeheartedly recommend it. It tells the story of this little girl, Olive, who has this deep desire and aspiration to be a beauty queen. But Suffice it to say, she is not beauty queen material, okay? Nevertheless, her, her family says, okay, we're going to go for it. And so they launch on this madcap adventure across three states to get her to the Little Miss Sunshine competition. But when they arrive, they find out that um, maybe we're a little bit out of our depth. So they get there, and they see all of the other girls and their families who are clearly like professional pageant goers, Right? They've all got the makeup, and they've got the outfits, they've got the walk. They've got the whole panache of being in the beauty pageant. Olive, for her part, has no makeup, 
Coke, uh, Coke bottle sunglasses, and a routine uh, to Rick James' song, Super Freak, okay? So she's a, a little bit feeling like a, a stranger and an alien in this community of persons there. Uh, so it gets to the point that her family is kind of like, look, what have, we, what have we gotten ourselves into? Like, should we even send her out? I mean, this is going to be embarrassing for her. It's going to be a train wreck, right? Maybe we shouldn't even have her go out on stage. But Olive insists, and so they say, okay, fine, we'll let you go. So she goes out, and she starts her routine, and the crowd is horrified. They are absolutely scandalized by this little girl wearing not quite enough clothes and dancing to Super Freak. So that the, the organizer of the whole pageant, she's even like calling for Olive to get off the stage, drag her off right now. But then something incredible, even kind of wondrous happens. Her dad goes up on the stage, apparently to, to drag her off. But then, to her surprise and to the surprise of everybody else, he starts dancing. <laughs> and then her brother comes up on the stage and he starts dancing too. And so does the weird uncle. And at this point, if I really wanted to theologize the movie, we have the father, the son, and... <laughs> Wait for it. The holy Steve Carell. <laughs> three. Okay, I won't go there. But you have all three of them joining her, suddenly engaging, grabbing one another's hands in this impromptu circle dance up on the stage, see? It's this beautiful thing. And in that moment, in that moment, they deliver her from her deepest disgrace and have her join a dance of grace, even if it's not quite the bingo waltz. And so it is for you and me. See, when you were baptized, when you had that name put upon you of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you were made part of the dance. And the God who is three in one delivered you from your deepest disgrace and said, oh, maybe your kingdom material after all. Because you belong to me, see. You have been made part of that dance, and we continue to participate in that dance through worship, through prayer, through lives of suffering love for our neighbors. We lean into and participate into that dance of which we have all been made part through the grace of a gracious triune God. And look, it's still awkward, right? We are struggling often. We are stumbling and fumbling always. But still, we hear that call of the Father who says, Come, join me and my Son and the Holy Spirit. Come and dance together with us. And wonder of wonders, when we do, when we hearken to this call, and when you and I together, as the body of Christ, as those who are joined as one to our Lord Jesus, when we do, when we grab hands and live into this wonderful, marvelous perichoresis, the world looks on, horrified maybe, delighted perhaps, but in any event, in the power and wonder of God, when the world sees the church of Jesus Christ living in this dance, they believe. And there's always more room in the circle for others to join the dance. Amen. May the peace of God that surpasses all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. We stand for prayer.